Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Religions over there do not see the resurrection as something that is real. Of course, they're basically mostly based in reincarnation. And you don't really grasp it till you're over there, the difference it makes in a society when fundamentally you believe in reincarnation instead of the resurrection. Because it really changes the way that you look at the world. Living for today hoping that somehow you will be good enough that the next time you come back, you will be elevated to a better position in life really is not a good way to live. For one thing, you don't really know what the rules are, so you don't know if you're really being too good or or not. And you never can really get ahead because you can't remember anything from the past life, so you're always having to redo it over again. And life is always difficult and always hard. And the whole point of living life in its difficulty and hardness is that idea that when you're all finished, you can do it again. You can live another life of hardship and difficulty. And then when that is all said and done, you can do it again. And you can have another life of hardship and difficulty because life always has that. And you keep doing that on endless cycles until after a while, you're just living for today. And it's very different. Your family becomes extremely important because if they don't remember you after you're gone, then they can't help you in your next reincarnation. And so after a while, you just see people going through the motions of life without any real hope and without any real change how different it is when you understand what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. When you know that he has taken the weight off of us and we don't have to earn our salvation and earn a better life because he's done the work for us. And eternal life is guaranteed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a difference it makes. You can feel the difference when you come into this country. Even with all the problems we have, and we certainly aren't necessarily living the Christian walk the way we ought to, there's still a fundamental difference when you see the future as eternal life in Jesus Christ. Because it does make a difference in the way you live today. So now as we begin a new series We're going to be talking about the choices that are made and and the choices that come through Jesus Christ and the power of resurrection at the cross. And usually when we talk about choices, people like to talk about the choices that we make in life. We love freedom. We love being able to make choice. That's one of the differences, too, when you travel. You see how much Americans love to make choices. And people in the rest of the world really don't see that as such a high priority. So after you're standing in line, you know, in a, to get into the country through customs, 
and that line is an hour long and you haven't moved five feet, you begin to think like an American. I could move this line along a lot faster if they would just do A, B, C, D, and E. You know, if they would just marshal their people and stop asking so many crazy questions and get organized, we could be done with this in just a little bit. And sure enough, when we came back into Detroit and went through customs, we were in customs like 10 minutes and we were through. I said, this is good. We know how to make decisions and we know how to make choices and we can get things done. They're never in a hurry in the rest of the world. And we're in a hurry all the time. But to make choice is something we want. We love our freedom. We want to be able to make choices. We want to determine our destiny. And so we want to know how to make good choices and so that those choices will get us to where we want to be and make us better people. Even when we're wrong in our choices, we don't like people taking away our choice. We want to be able to make mistakes. We want to be wrong. We want to make choice. But how we make choice and how to make better choices is really not the kind of choices we're going to be talking about in this series because we're not talking about the choices that we make. We're going to talk about the choices that God makes. What happens when God makes choice? Because for a lot of people, that's a sticky point. We love it when we can make a choice, but the minute God starts to make a choice, we can get really undone about that. Because as I've said before, who, who does God think he is? When he starts acting like God, we have problems with him. We want God to give us choice, but we don't want to give God any choice. And if God does make a choice, it ought to be in line with what we choose so that we're on the same page. But God instead, he just does things his way. But the beauty of that is God actually knows what he's doing. Sometimes we think we know what we're doing, but most of the time we don't. But God always knows what he's doing. That's why the resurrection is such a wonderful plan. Who would have thought of that plan? Not us. Because when you go to the rest of the world, you find out they didn't come up with an idea like that. Their idea is always work, 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 and earn your salvation, and try hard, try hard, and maybe you'll be good enough. But the plan and purpose of God was, I love you. I'll lay down my life for you. I'll make salvation possible so you don't have to work for it. And when I conquered death at the cross, I made eternal life possible for you. And now all you have to do is accept it, admit you're a sinner, and that gift is yours. What a plan. Because when God makes choice, he knows what he's doing. He conquered death and gave us eternal life. So when we talk about making choices in the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about the choices that God makes. And so in looking at the choices God makes, the first real choice and the first principle to really understand is that God chooses us. We don't choose him. Now that's something we've heard before and something we all kind of know in our heads. But most of the time, we turn that around. And we think that we choose God. 
Because we often have this idea in our heads that, you know, when the time is right, you know, I'll decide uh, to either come back to church or come back to God or give my heart to God or whatever. Uh, I'm not quite ready now, but when I'm ready, I'll do it. And we see when we do it as our choice. But the Bible says that God has known us before we were ever born. And he has made choice. And you are here this morning because God has chosen you and he has brought you to this place. And he wants to be in your life in a way that affects you more than you can ever really comprehend because he chooses us. But when does he choose us? Well, theoretically, he chooses all of us well before we're born. But from our perspective, sometimes he chooses us when we're young. Sometimes he chooses us when we're older, in the meaning that we come to an understanding of who Jesus is at different points in our life. But when we come to that understanding is not as important as the understanding and understanding that Jesus Christ really does change your life. So I wanna look this morning at two different people. One who came to the knowledge of Christ at an early age, young age, and one who was much older. And the fact that when they were called really wasn't the issue. The issue is when you recognize the call, what do you do about it? The first one we find in Luke chapter one which is the call of a person that we know as John the Baptist. He was called before he was ever born. He was born into a family where they had no children. Their parents were older and never thought they would have a child. But then one day an angel came to his father and began to explain that they indeed were gonna have a child and this child would know God from the time he was born. Luke 1, starting in verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. That's his father, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous." to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John was chosen before his birth to be the forerunner of the Messiah. When he would begin to preach, people would understand that God was about to do something in that land with those people. There was a divine purpose to his birth. Something that the Lord was going to use without John's permission, and really without his parents' permission either. Because God made a choice. And he said, this boy, this child who's coming into the world is gonna make a difference. I'm gonna fill him with the Holy Spirit, 
And he is going to impact this nation in a way that they have never understood before. What a privilege it is to know that you have been called by God to impact your generation, to make a difference, to know that the Lord has chosen you out of everybody else that he could choose to make a difference, not just in your own life, but in the lives of so many people. That would come with a price. They would have to teach him the importance of really what is called a Nazarite vow because they dedicated him to the Lord. He couldn't drink any alcohol or do any of the things that a lot of other people did. He would be set apart. And for a lot of people, that, that's difficult because we don't like to be different. We don't like to be set apart. We usually like to blend in with the crowd. But that would not be the destiny of John. See, the Lord knows all of us before we are born. And he has called us for a purpose. But sometimes from our own point of view, we don't feel that we're special. Or we don't feel that God even knows who we are or where we've come from. Because when we look at it through our own eyes, sometimes we don't feel our birth is really that important at all. Most of us, of course, aren't called in such a dramatic fashion as John the Baptist was. But it's easy sometimes to think that I'm not here for any purpose. I'm just here really as an accident. My parents didn't really want me. In fact, I figured out at some point they got married because they had to. And I was the reason. So they never really wanted me. They just did the best that they could. Or maybe you're in a family where you're like the fourth or fifth boy or the fourth or fifth girl. And you know that they wanted the opposite sex. They didn't want whatever you are. And so you know you just, you were okay, they accepted you, but you really weren't what they wanted. And you kind of know it. Or maybe you're just in a single parent home and you know you've been rejected from the get-go by one of your parents who just considered you a mistake and really never did want you. See, it doesn't matter what your earthly parents thought about your birth. God knew who you were going to be before you were ever born. And he chose you despite the circumstances of your birth, and he loved you and knew you before you came into the world. And so while the world may think you're an accident or unwanted, That's not the way God looks at you. Because when he looks at you, he sees somebody that he loves, somebody that he wanted, and somebody he's going to call and use. Jesus loves us. And he's called us to a purpose. And there are no mistakes in the kingdom of God. He's called you for a purpose. Being born into the family of God is a wonderful privilege. And you got to hand it to John the Baptist that he accepted the call of God on his life. Because not everybody sees it that way. To be born into a family and right away have a bunch of rules. What you can eat, what you can drink, how you can cut your hair, all kinds of things. For a lot of people, that's a turn off right off the bat. Because we love our freedom. Don't tell me how I have to dress. Don't tell me how I have to cut my hair. Don't tell me what I can eat or drink. I want to be whoever I want to be. You can't make me be who you want. 
John the Baptist didn't take that point of view. He accepted the call of God on his life. And you know, the earlier you accept the fact that God has called you, the better your life is really gonna be. Because you can spend a lot of time, particularly if you're born into a Christian family, deciding that that's not the family you really wanna be in. And when they put you in school like Parkway where you're around Christians all the time and they seem to have your life all straightened out for you and you're not making a lot of choices, sometimes that can be irritating. And you think, this is not what I want. I'm tired of people making me do things I don't wanna do. And you can wish you were born into a different family. I remember growing up, we had to come to church on Sunday night all the time. So you don't have to do that as much anymore, but we had to come on Sunday night all the time. And I can remember as a kid wishing I was Catholic. <laughs> because all the Catholic people in our neighborhood didn't go to church on Sunday night. They got to stay home. They got to watch Bonanza. <laughs> and the next day in school, that's all they would talk about was Bonanza. And we never got to see that. To this day, I've only seen half a dozen of them because we always had to go to church. And I said, well, I wish we didn't, you know, if I was only Catholic, it would be so much better. And then I met some people that never went to church at all. And that was even better. Because they got to do anything they wanted to do. They didn't even have to get up on Sunday morning. The Catholics still had to get up to go to mass, but you know, these people, they didn't do anything except what they wanted to do. That's very attractive. Till you find out later on that somehow it's not the best way to live. That with Jesus Christ in your life, it really does make a difference. And the sooner you accept it, the better it is. See, being born into the family of God is a wonderful thing. Because the sooner you learn the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the more blessed your life is because he orders our steps. And we can make an impact on the people around us when we truly decide, yes, living this way, knowing God has called me, really allows me to impact my generation in a way that I could never do without Jesus Christ. John impacted his whole generation. We might not be as effective as John the Baptist, but the sooner you recognize God's call on your life and answer it, the more effective you are going to be in reaching out to the people that don't know who Jesus is. But it would be easy to say, well, that's good for all the people born into a nice Christian family and raised well, but what about all those people who don't have that privilege, aren't born into those kind of families, born into families that really don't know much about Jesus Christ? Well, God is aware of you too. And he can call you at any age, regardless of what your background is, because Jesus will call you when he's ready to call you. And so our second example is someone who is called much later in life. No angel announced his birth. He just came into the world as a regular person, a regular boy in a regular family, a good Jew, but nobody special. And he not only did not really know who Jesus was, at one point he began to actively work against him. 
This was the Apostle Paul, who thought he knew a lot about the Word of God, who thought he knew how to live his life, but found out he really didn't know much at all. And one day, he was stopped on the road to Damascus and introduced to Jesus Christ at a time in his life where he was very much against Christ, and no one ever thought Paul would get saved. In Acts 29, verse 9, he recounts the story as he's talking to the leaders of the time, and he says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus, of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. This is not the kind of person you expect to get saved. This is not the kind of person you expect Jesus Christ to call. He hated Jesus. He hated all the followers of Jesus. He went out of his way to persecute them and ruin their lives. And he was smug about it and thought he was right. But when Jesus stopped him, knocked him down off a horse, mule in a very dramatic conversion and a light shone down and he recognized that he was fighting against the very son of God he completely changed his outlook completely changed his life and he gave himself to Christ and began his ministry Paul knew he would make a difference because God had called him at that moment to be a light to the Gentiles and take the message of the gospel to a group of people most of the Jews never thought would really understand. But Paul knew what he was called to do and he went and did it. See, a lot of people are called in their adult years. And you can look back and say, oh, I wish I had been raised different. I wish I had known about Christ earlier. I made so many mistakes. I did so many stupid things. You know, Jesus knows all that. He knows the decisions you made. He knows what your life was all about. He knows the way you lived it. But he called you anyway. Because you're important to him. And he has a purpose for your life and it doesn't matter what your past is like. When Jesus steps into your life, he changes the course of your life and the direction. And you will make an impact by the power of the Holy Spirit just as much as someone born to the faith if you really put yourself in his hands and let him choose the direction of your life. Because he gives meaning and purpose to life at every point in life. So you can look back and say, I don't think that I'm good enough for God. And certainly no one was good enough if you live like Paul. But he was called by God because God is a forgiving God. And when he forgives you your sins, they're forgiven. And you can start over in life and go in a new direction because of what he's doing in your life. 
That first principle of choice is God chooses us. We do not choose him. John the Baptist was chosen because he wasn't even born yet. He couldn't make a choice. The Apostle Paul was chosen because he never would have chosen Christ. Left to his own devices, he would have continued on his path. But God chose him because God chooses every one of us. But the second principle of choice is that when God chooses you and calls you, he also equips you and gives you the gifts you need to accomplish the purpose that he has for your life. John the Baptist was born with a certain gift to impact people. He was raised differently because of the vows that were made over him. But he just seemed to be one of those different kind of people. He dressed differently than everybody else. He spoke differently than everybody else. For a long time, nobody even really knew who he was. But then all of a sudden, he just explodes on the scene and begins to preach to everybody. And everybody begins to listen to him. And John's message was quite a message. In Luke 3, part of it's recorded this way in verse 7. It says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now that's quite a message. You don't see John the Baptist coming on the scene, calling people up, say, let's go to coffee. Let's talk about the direction of your life. You know, let, let me help you. Tell me what's on your mind. You know, let's see if, you know, maybe we can, you know, discuss a few things together. And, you know, if, if you like what I'm saying, maybe we can meet again. That's not the kind of preacher he was. He came out screaming at him, you brood of vipers, you need to repent. John wasn't worried about telling them what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear. And because he was full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit went before him and prepared the way for the message. We don't need to apologize for the message. Repentance is what we need. We heard it this morning in the prophecy. God is a forgiving God if we will repent. But repentance is always the key to everything. And we've become a group of people that would rather have coffee and talk about sin than actually do anything about it. But John understood he was called to his generation and his generation was sinning. And he knew that if they didn't change, they weren't gonna accept the message of Jesus Christ and he was called to prepare the way. So he did it. You don't read about John fussing with his parents. I don't know why you made me learn all this. I don't know why you put me in the school you put me in. I don't know why I had to study all this scripture. I don't know why you think I'm gonna go out and preach when I don't wanna preach. I don't know why you think I'm gonna do all this. John accepted the call on his life. 
and he made a difference because he recognized when God makes a choice, God knows what he's doing and the quicker you quit fighting it, the better your life is gonna be. He impacted his generation with the message of the gospel. Paul had a very different background. Paul was not an odd duck that dressed funny and didn't fit in. In fact, just the opposite. Paul was extremely educated. He fit in everywhere he went. He was accepted in the best schools. He, he was top of his class. Uh, anything he wanted to do, they gave him the papers to do it. They loved his zeal. They loved everything about him. He, but he was also raised in a city that was impacted by a lot of Gentiles. So he knew the Gentiles. He knew the way they thought. He knew what their uh, religion was. He knew a lot about them. John the Baptist was really more isolated than that. He, was, he just knew his own people. But Paul knew other people. And so when his conversion came and he was called to the Gentiles, he understood what it was all about. And he also, though, like John, was not ashamed of the message. Once he understood the message, once it changed him, he was ready to preach it. But he had been prepared in his early years to take the message of Jesus Christ to a very different group of people. The Jews were always expecting the Messiah to come, and so to talk to them about the Messiah was one thing. But, but the pagan generation around Paul, they didn't care anything about a Messiah. They didn't even know they needed one. So he had to explain Jesus Christ to them in a very different way because they didn't understand sin. They didn't understand the law of Moses. They didn't understand what God was doing. But he was able through his knowledge and through his background to put all the pieces of the puzzle together for them to preach Jesus Christ in a way that challenged them. And again, the Holy Spirit went before him to open the doors and he impacted the whole region of the Roman Empire because he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, it doesn't matter if we're called when we're young or we're old. We're equipped by the Holy Spirit for whatever calling the Lord has given to us. Some of us may be impacted to preach to the whole nation. Others may be just a small group of people. But whatever it is, God uses the circumstances of your life for his purposes. And we don't have to apologize for our past. We just have to move forward with the leading of Jesus Christ. He saves us. He changes us. He gives us a new purpose. And whether you think you are called or not or whether you think you have any gifts or not, he has gifted you for the purpose that he wants you to complete. Our gifts enable us to complete the calling. And we all have a calling because he doesn't save us just so we can sit around till we get to heaven. He calls us so we can impact this world for Jesus Christ. That third choice principle is that even when we're called by God and equipped to make an impact, that doesn't necessarily mean that life is gonna be easy because being called by God is often a challenge. John's ministry was very short. He only actually lasted a few months and then he got beheaded. 
That's a good way to end your ministry. But in that short time, he made an impact. But it wasn't the length of his ministry that was important. It was that he answered the call and God used him. And as Jesus Christ came on the scene, the hearts of the people were prepared for the message that Jesus was giving him. Paul would actually preach much longer. He had a lot of years. He visited a lot of countries. He did a lot of things. But he certainly didn't have an easy life either. He'd end up jailed, and eventually he would be martyred as well. Because both of them understood this life was not nearly as important as the next one. Because what they understood was the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the message Paul took to a world that needed to hear it. And the effectiveness of our ministry is never measured by our own ideas of success. It is measured by whether or not we have done the will of God. What he calls you to do, are you doing? What he wants you to impact, are you impacting? Because if you're just sitting around, being bored as we heard, or not wondering what your purpose is, it's time to grasp hold of the call of God on your life. It's time to make a difference. It's time to get involved. We have a nation around us that's fallen apart. Sin is everywhere. And they need to have people begin to tell the message that Jesus Christ saves. And if you all admit you're a sinner and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, your life will be different. Whether you're young, old, or something in between, God has a plan and purpose for you. Today is Healing Sunday. It's an opportunity for the ministers and elders of this church to pray for those that need a touch on their lives. Because sometimes the circumstances of life do weigh us down. We want to be used by God. We are called, we want to be involved, but for whatever reason, we're just not. Sometimes it is physical sickness. And we pray for that this morning, that physical sickness can be healed so that you can be what God created you to be. But sometimes it's just the cares of this world, the problems in families, the problems in school, the problems on the job. A lot of times it's sin. And sin needs to be admitted and it needs to be repented of so that we can get back on track. It's the opportunity to have someone pray with you this morning and know that we help each other to reach our goals in life. It's not about comparing yourself to someone else and say, oh, look at their ministry. If only I had been born in a different family. If only I had you know, not made the mistakes I made in the past. If only I had done this. If only, if only. God isn't worried about that. He has called you because he loves you. And he has a purpose for you. And whatever it is that's keeping you from that purpose, you need to put it into his hands, repent of it, and let the Holy Spirit begin to guide your life because you can impact the world in ways you never thought possible if the Holy Spirit is moving before you.